0: Hello, and welcome to Weekend Rental, podcast episode number seven, Uh, the podcast where we talk about gaming, geek culture, movies, and just generally whatever else comes to mind. Uh, My name is Ryan. With me, I've got Andy. Hello. And Justin. Hey, everyone. All right, fellas. So, for everyone who's not um, listened to the podcast before, generally, we roll this right into the, the games that we're watching, playing, movies. But we're gonna replace that segment this week with Destiny 2, oh my god, it's amazing. Andy, why aren't you playing it? And that that is our opening segment. Um
1: sell me, I guess.
0: I'll adjust and start.
1: Um Ramen? Oh my god. I
0: wish we had a vid. I wish this was a video <laughs> podcast so we could show how amazing that is.
2: No, I mean it's similar to the first one. Uh... <laughs> Sadly, last podcast, if you guys listened. We kind of crapped all over it. (laughs) I said I wasn't going to get it unless it was on sale. I talked myself back and forth and got it. (sighs) You ass. (laughs) I mean, it's a good game. I actually really, really do enjoy the series. The first one I really liked. um, There was a few things that I got annoyed with. Content not coming out quick enough. Stuff like that. Um, I guess we'll see how they do on this one with that Um, the gameplay feels similar but it's just smoother Um,
0: well and to be not fair that wasn't the piece that was broken from the original Destiny I think the original Destiny played great but the shell around it was a mess
2: and the story that actually is in the game is pretty good I I like the uh, reference points back to the the first game as well Um, it kind of completes it a little bit so you kind of get an idea from the first game a little bit too then but overall i really like the story mode and this game in general
0: it's pretty good yeah they um i think they delivered with destiny 2 on what destiny was supposed to be it looks and plays amazing they've eliminated a ton of the monotonous going to orbit coming back there's fast travel now the maps are expansive and interesting and they're full of life uh the story exists and i think it's pretty damn good i mean to be honest it's as engaging as any campaign was in a good halo game like those first halo games it really captures that bungie nailed it this time around um and i can say like even if you're not going to be the type of player who's going to get into destiny for the mmo aspect and keep grinding and keep doing raids it is worth the 60 dollars purchase just for the 10 to 15 hours you'll spend going through the main campaign uh, and you know, the side missions. I mean, and I've on it, I've, I've gotten my money's worth out of this game. If I put it down and never get an expansion, I'm super happy that I bought it.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to hear out of it was that if you can play it single player and have, you know, enjoyable time and get your money's worth out of it, uh, I'll sign me up, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I played through the entire campaign by myself actually because i couldn't convince anyone else to buy it and immediately after saying i wasn't going to, well, i didn't admit i'd probably buy it but i didn't think i would buy it that quick like as soon as we got done crapping on it recording the last podcast i went on it.
2: and
0: then i've i don't know i probably put 50 50 hours i'd say into destiny 2 at this point and i'm still enjoying it plays great
1: wow how many pop tarts have you bought
0: <laughs> I had a box in my hand and I was like, no, I, I draw the line at pop tarts. <laughs> but yeah, I can't I can't recommend it enough. I really I really thought it was just going to be another, you know, cog in the Activision money grab machine, but they built a really good game.
1: Yeah, that must be probably what Destiny should have been the first time, huh? Or what they kind of wanted it to be.
2: I feel like yep. that's what it should have been yeah the the way that they marketed it and like this one again I don't remember hardly any advertising I've seen more advertisements now that it's out than I did before it was released and with the first one like it, that's all it was was advertisements everywhere and then the game just felt like a letdown because there wasn't anything to it really this one with the story too like as you're going through just the different characters I find so much quite hilarious. hilarious like. Yeah. Just the stupid shit that said.
0: Yeah, like there's this failsafe that's a AI from a crashed ship that is like on the fritz, kind of like Cortana, except just super hilarious. And the the it's got split personalities: the normal kind of like weird, dry robot AI sort of sense of humor, and then the alternate version of it is this like super cynical and dark. Uh, <laughs> Character, I don't know. It's just great.
1: Huh. Sounds better than Wizard from the Moon.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no moon, which is also a great part about <laughs> Destiny Two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the best way to compare um, a really good analogy for Destiny Two compared to Destiny is if you're a classic horror movie indie film fan, this is like Evil Dead Two compared to Evil Dead. It's the same rough story it's just done better on every level and it has a better production value to it. More humor. Yeah. It's the difference between being shot on like a handheld super eight and an actual movie budget. Sure. It's good stuff.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I might have to, I might have to grab that then.
0: Yeah. Well, there's no huge grind. Like honestly, if you bought it and put 20 hours into it, you'd be at the max level cap. And with another, Fifteen to twenty, you'd be close enough to do a raid. So you're not going to have to spend weeks to get, you know, to the level you need to to progress past the main campaign,
1: which is great. Huh. Sure. So what, what, what is the end game on that then? If if you can successfully do the raid often enough, what's uh, what's after that?
0: I suppose expansions at that point. I mean, there's your weekly stuff and there's patrols, but right now that's the thing is like the ultimate end game. There's not a ton currently.
1: Sure, so the, do you think they're gonna have a content problem again?
0: I don't I, know. I guess it depends on how quickly they can turn out additional raids and more story elements. I don't I think they'd be smart to wait to get through the holiday season and maybe like February March, and then hopefully they get some more people into it and realizing that this isn't the game that they get turned off by, and then once that first expansion comes out, you're gonna see a ton of people jumping back in and really trying to level up characters, sure, but
2: well, they uh. They had a pretty huge selling, though, um, for Destiny 2.
0: Yeah, no, they had 1.3 million people online consecutively. So, I mean, that's a ton of of people.
2: That's a huge selling point where they're going to have to do something before, I feel, before the holiday season here. You think so? Yeah, I think they will have to otherwise.
0: people might get bored. Yeah, but they'll, they'll probably come back if they enjoyed it enough. Yeah, it's...
2: It's one of those games, like, it's not probably for everybody, but I'm really enjoying it.
0: I would say, though, if you you like first-person shooters and you like a good, solid campaign uh, with some sci-fi elements, like, that could still be your game, and you could leave everything else. I mean, you could put all the MMO stuff to the side and still get into it, play through the story, and it's on its own. That's fine.
2: Well, once you... I guess, figure out the raid, too. It's probably pretty easy, because it's a lot of puzzle, which seems pretty interesting. So once we get there and actually have enough people to do that...
0: Yeah. Well, it'll be nice that Andy's going to jump in. I mean, that's one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so they have a lot of platforming in this one, too? Yeah. Cool. Yeah,
0: it's just as much platforming as it is um, shooting. And the Sparrows, you don't get right off the bat, and you really don't miss it, because... They've done such a good job of making the world interesting and making the travel fun that it's kind of okay. I mean, it doesn't really hinder the game at all. You get your Sparrow... Unless you get a random drop, that, that could happen. You get your Sparrow at level 20 after you've beaten... Well, at that point, you should have beaten the campaign. I guess there's no guarantee you did. You might have just gotten distracted with other stuff. But yeah, it's just, a, it's just amazing how much better and more engaging it is i mean it feels like an actual game instead of a failed project i guess i i didn't i never thought destiny on the first game i mean it felt good playing but it just didn't make any sense as a game like there's no continuity to that world or a story or story at all
1: just loading like how long it took to go back to orbit and then go to yeah you had to wait on that your ship there for a while and yeah that was
2: you still have your ship and stuff, but the weight just seems like it's much better because of the the fast travel and I don't know. I just feel like if you actually do go to orbit, it is quicker. But I suppose you know, Destiny One was made for last gen too, so also,
0: right.
1: it's probably kind of hindered it a little bit there. Well, wow. yeah. So Ryan, you uh have a new console in your collection.
0: I do. My wife bought me a Nintendo Switch as a surprise um upcoming anniversary, tenth wedding anniversary. I'm super excited and shocked. Wow. And you've been playing a new game for the Switch, huh? Uh
1: yeah. I've played I've been playing uh Mario Plus Rabbids, something something battle. I don't know why I don't know why I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's because it's so Kingdom generic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, I love strategy games in general. You know, Fire Emblem, XCOM, all those, um, and that's right there with it. Uh, it's kind of got like XCOM, uh, Valkyria Chronicles, where it's it's kind of you can tell it's grid based, but it's not really. So you can kind of move wherever. Um, but yeah, it's I'm up to World Four right now, and really having a hard time with it now. Uh, when so you it first takes start a while for that difficulty to, to ramp up. Right when it when you first start out, it's like, oh, I sure hope that they don't treat me like I've never played one of these games before. But they really ramp it up, which is good because I had a feeling that you know, once you bring Mario into that arena, maybe they might just keep it at that lower difficulty level, mm-hmm. you know, with not much strategy. But yeah, it, it's I've heard good. there's
0: cursing. Yeah, in the game with Mario.
1: Yeah, it uh, the robot a number of times will do kind of the Q-Bert, you know. block out
0: censored (laughs) but you clearly know that it's cursing
1: right yep yeah there's like a little uh Roomba that basically you control which is kind of annoying uh Mario and Luigi are like behind him
0: yeah why wouldn't you just have a lead character that does the running I don't get it
1: right and there's there's some like timed things that you need to act quickly on and it's so it's so hard for me to focus not on Mario, but instead this small little thing in front of him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
1: Worth picking up though? I think so. Um, it definitely gets repetitive. So if, if you are not into those strategy type games, it, you would probably drop it. I think probably after world two or so. Um,
0: so it might be something to watch for like a decent sale or,
1: <clears throat> or do you yeah. think it's
0: worth like the 50 off the bat? Cause it's 50, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if it's 50 or 60, but 50 sounds right. I don't I don't if you're not into strategy, I don't know if it would be uh worth it right off the bat. Just because it is so much of that like the kind of running around and solving a few puzzles here and there in between battles is just kind of like uh I don't know, there's not much meat to it. And Sure. But there is some pretty good uh comedy in there, I guess. Mario You know, making fun at Mario's expense a lot of times, so (laughs) it's pretty funny. Last podcast, we were making fun of uh, how Mario is not a plumber, but there is a song in this game that pretty much makes fun of all of his plumbing career. Like
0: they wrote lyrics and everything?
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, I think
0: that's like a big selling point too, even if you're not a huge uh, tactics or strategy type gamer. Uh, Just seeing everyone from the Mushroom Kingdom completely out of their element in a game like this is almost worth it alone for me
1: yeah exactly it's just kind of like it's kind of like a little just off model because it's it is developed by somebody else you know so it's i'm sure they had lots of rules that they had to adhere to in nintendo but you could you play that game and you can be like okay this is not made by nintendo
0: right well doesn't miyamoto say that his only stipulation was you just can't make mario jump that's my thing
1: really huh
0: yeah Apparently that was his guidance to Ubisoft.
1: For sure. Well, one of his moves is a jump.
0: Well, they blew it.
1: <laughs> you do need you need the other person though to jump, I guess, so that doesn't count Oh, okay.
0: Well I might have to pick that one up. Um <clears throat> I've been playing I just with my new switch. I don't have a cartridge or card or whatever they are for the switch yet, but I downloaded off the shop the day I got it. Um I did get Sonic Mania and I got Blaster Master Zero. In Sonic Mania, we Andy, you talked about how that was a great game. Um, in fact, I believe, if memory serves, you were so impressed with it, you wrote a Sonic, uh, the Hedgehog fan song, uh, which might be available on our YouTube channel uh, for anyone who wants to check that out.
1: Or, or but, any Top 40 radio station.
0: Yeah, actually, I heard it on y on my drive to yep. work this morning. So, yep. I, I mean, I hope you can still find time to keep hanging out with those little guys on the podcast here.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: but uh, I would say I put maybe two hours into that so far and I would agree with you. It's And what like a solid package that is. Um, Still retains the feel, the levels. You know that it's kind of weird because you get that first couple levels to start off and you're like, why Why did I buy this? You know, it it feels, and it is those same first couple levels from the older games and then it starts to get interesting from there on out and the level design is really good. The controls are good. Um, I'm having fun with it. And then Blaster Master Zero um, is a sequel of sorts. I guess it is a sequel. It's not a remake. Uh, to Blaster Master, which was a Nintendo game, NES game. And Blaster Master Zero, it's 10 bucks on the eShop, or whatever it's called for the Switch. And that game is great. I love it. It I actually might be a controversial statement, but I think it's a better game than Sonic Mania. It's a lot more interesting, at least for my preferences. Um, the playstyle being changed up between in and out of your vehicle. And then the top down um, on foot aspects when you're going into caves and stuff as your, you know, player outside of the vehicle. Again, it's, it's a really solid package. They nailed the music and the feel um, and the absurd story about a kid chasing a frog down a hole in the ground and ending up in this weird world, which they explain better. Um, I don't want to spoil that for anybody, but there's a reason why there's this uh underground labyrinth of bizarre locations but yeah really good really really liking it i actually have put maybe three hours into that game so far and it challenge level is good um, not overly challenging it's easy to just keep progressing through and it's got save states which is a huge thing that the first game or the original game didn't have um i i mean i'd say if you have a switch and you have 10 bucks later on buy it
1: yeah i i I wish I would have when it came out. Like, I, I need to go back, obviously, and play it. Uh, it came out really early on. I think it was, like, the first few weeks that the Switch is out. Yeah. And at that point, I think everybody was playing Zelda. So if you had a Switch in your hands, you're playing Zelda, you know? So I think it got kind of overlooked in that regard. So I think a lot of people, myself included, need to go back and pick that up. Because especially for 10 bucks, like, that doesn't happen anymore, you know?
0: No. Well, I've noticed that, like, straight off the bat with what's available currently on the shop for the Switch, the entry level for games starts mainly at, like, $15 to $20. It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, anything with a but, name on it is 15, 15 bucks.
0: Yeah. I suppose at this point they don't have to be competitive with pricing because there's nothing else out there for the most part, but that's going to change, hopefully.
1: Yeah. Well, especially with cartridge games now that uh, it's kind of been a pattern that you have to spend more for a switch game. Right. Than right. then any other one. Wind, water, hot go planet. By
0: your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain
1: Planet. He-
0: All right, everyone, it is time for Buy, Rent, Burn. This is the re- segment of the podcast where we look at three games. We each bring to the, we each bring one to the table, and of those, we play them all, and we decide which one we would personally buy, rent, or burn. Uh, this week's selection of games, Andy has brought Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine for the Genesis. Uh, this was produced and published by Compile and Sega, and this came out in 1993. Justin has gone with Bob. For the Super Nintendo, um, this was produced and published by Gray Matter, Electronic Arts. And this also came out in 1993. And I have selected Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Came out on the NES. It's a Mindscape game and was released in 1991. Andy, why don't we uh, hear about Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine?
1: Yeah, uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine is... uh... The name of my favorite burrito, um, but I would order that. <laughs> yeah. uh... Made with real Sonic meat. <laughs> We're going too far now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's a it's it's a puzzle game uh, for Sega Genesis, which it's kind of weird because it's based on a. Uh, a series that was long running in Japan before this called uh, Poyo Poyo, which is like little beans that you match up, and then you know eventually match a certain amount of colors, does a combo, sends beans over on the other other player's side that they can't really get rid of unless they do some big matching too. Uh, so it, it's it is kind of a competitor to Tetris, probably one of the bigger ones at least on the Japan side. Uh, so much so that they there is a newer game called. Poyo Poyo and Tetris. Tetris. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and I I had no idea that that series was around. I'm guessing that at some point there was a Poyo Poyo probably on like PC or something that came out before this. But I think this was like their first attempt at sneaking that uh game into the US culture because Poyo Poyo was very anime, I believe, from uh They released
0: it um Almost alongside Kirby's Avalanche, which is virtually the same game too, but for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Different license to help sell it.
1: Right. And this is all obviously on Sonic, which Dr. Robotnik is Sonic. Um, And that's kind of, I played it. I had it when I was younger. I was not very good at it and I'm still not very good at it. I just don't get the combo system. At least my brain can't figure it out or do it in an efficient manner, I guess. Uh, My wife's really pretty good at it. Um, And my nephew, who ended up getting my Sega after I was done with it, I think this was one of his most played games. And he basically became an expert at that game, which was incredible to watch. Um, But yeah, other than that, it it had, you know, obviously I'm a huge Sonic fan if if the song hasn't, you know, convinced you already. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Pretty much anything game. like this i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna pick it up and play it,
0: yeah, I mean, they clearly with this game you know tried to leverage the Sonic world and franchise to pass this game along um, and get it in to North American audiences, like you said, but it's it's a solid puzzle game um I think you know in, in speaking about like how you're not very good at it, I think the CPU difficulty on this game is kind of brutal. I mean, I've made it to the third opponent. And by then, like, you have to be super quick and almost anticipate, you know, your next move ahead of time. I think where most players would get a lot of enjoyment out of this one, myself included, is going head-to-head against somebody, you know, doing couch co-op.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Um, But, I mean, it's a well-designed puzzler. I actually have Puyo Puyo Pop for the GameCube, and that's a game that my wife and I used to play all the time. And it's a little more polished, obviously, but... It's kind of fun to go back and, and play this game, but I, I definitely think if you're going to have lasting enjoyment, it's going to have to be with a friend.
1: Yep, I should note, This is, I think, maybe the only game the in the Sonic universe that actually took inspiration from the cartoon. Um, some of the characters that you're playing against in this game are st- from the cartoon and not really from any other oh, Sonic your opponents. Yep, like the oh, the, I didn't know that. That's awesome. The little rooster guy um the little drill guy those those guys were in the cartoon and i think they were kind of enemies in the original sonic sonic one probably but you know obviously a lot different looking they use more of the cartoon model in this game
0: hmm. yep. interesting justin what about bob well
2: uh again with this game i actually had never played it um prior to picking it but it's uh i feel
0: like you do that a lot
2: like a random I, chance. I do. It's, it's just you know, scroll through a list of games and throw a dart. But uh, it's a side-scrolling, I guess, what two D shooter platform game, I suppose. Um, it's got I don't know if it's like a powered up ant or what he is, but <laughs>
0: um, nobody knows. He's just Bob.
2: <laughs> Bob. Anyways, I guess Bob gets power ups. Um, you know, throughout the game, you can find power ups. You have to kill enemies, stuff flying across the screen at you. Um, Standard, you know, platform 2D game for that. Um, I guess I don't really know what else to say about it, but it was all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it kind of falls into that mascot, heavy platformer time frame uh, on the 16-bit home consoles. I think that's kind of where they tried to go with it. It's... You know, they try to give him a little bit of personality. Every time he spawns in, he gives you, like, some crappy one-liner via text. And, um, you know, it's just kind of your basic platforming and level exploration. The levels, though, in this game are insanely short. I mean, some of those take, what, maybe 30 seconds tops, and then you're on to the next one? Yeah. Um, I did think it was cool that it had an overworld to kind of, like, show your progress from location to location. And it controlled Fine. I just feel like everything in this game, music, um, the character, the presentation was all just kind of blah. Um, not good, not bad. It's just, it's just there.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on Bob. the same page. Yeah. It's, Bob. yeah, I was kind of on the same page. Um, I think if it had a little bit tighter controls, maybe get rid of a few of the, you know, options like the, the different, um, mechanics that the, the you as a machine could do. I don't know if they really needed that in that game. Um, and then obviously like limited bullets. I kept, I kept, uh, switching in between once I had bullets, I was using bullets and then you'd run out of bullets and then you'd start using your fist to like, you know, punch things. And then after that you were just punching things. And even when you got bullets back, so it was tough for me to like, just have my brain switching in between those, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think overall, if they if they would have just kind of tightened up the mechanics and the controls just a little bit, I think that would have been a pretty good game.
0: Yeah, could have use a little bit of a visual brightening up too. There wasn't like a whole lot of contrast between the color palettes, but yeah, yeah, controls were a big problem. I had a
2: lot of issues with a few of the, the levels where you had to jump extra far, and you don't get enough of those like flying helicopter <laughs> mods. I don't know.
1: Yeah, some of those lasers were obviously... Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and those platforms you had to traverse were all tiny. It was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, elephant in the room here. Uh, Captain Planet.
0: Yeah, I was really excited this week with this selection to introduce you guys to, I think, one of the best hidden gems on the NES, and that is Captain Planet (laughs) and the Planeteers. Um... This game, I'm kidding, of course, is a flaming pile of crap. Uh, I would not recommend it on anyone unless you're going for a complete NES set. It's just a real bad game. So, for anyone who's not familiar, or like an 80s kid or early 90s kid, Captain Planet and the Planeteers was this animated series, kind of like Power Ranger-ish, in that these kids had these different elemental powers, like wind, heart, I don't know, hearts on elemental power. <laughs> Wind, fire, like, Earth, heart. And then they had rings, and they, when they held them together to help save the planet, they didn't turn into super powers. they just summoned this creepy dude who, like, comes out of nowhere named Captain Planet, and he's there to save the day, uh, and he's going to bring pollution down to zero. But it's this weird, sort of, like, eco-friendly cartoon, which there was a lot of that in the 90s. And this game... Is essentially a license tie-in to that, and uh, it's an unplayable mess. Uh, I challenge anyone to successfully beat the opening level without cheating. I, I don't know that it can be done. I certainly don't have the patience to try. And it kind of look. It starts off as a, I guess, scrolling shooter essentially, and um, I think I rage quit as soon as I had tried the level for about the 20th time, and then I shot a projectile at a plane coming at me, and the AI was smart enough to evade my shot, get back into formation, and blow me up by running into me. (laughs) And I was like, screw this. (laughs) Over. So then I went to GameFAQs, and I got a bunch of cheat codes and that let you put in passwords to go through the different levels just to see, well, maybe this introduction segment is bad. Maybe there's something redeemable on the back end, and there's absolutely not. Um, You get to play as an awful level flying around as Captain Planet himself, which is garbage. It's basically like a torture maze of you trying not to get hit by things because you don't really have an attack power. Uh, and then there's a submarine version of the opening level, which is horrendous. And it just kind of gets worse from there. I would say the only redeemable piece of this is just the um, 8-bit cutscenes because they do a good job of representing the show and they're actually really well done. Not that you'd ever get to them. Um, And it just kind of hits that nostalgia button for anyone who remembers the show. But that is the only thing I could say that is passable in this entire monstrosity.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I safe stated my way through that first level. uh, And it Probably wore out the the button to do so on my controller because <laughs> it was like I think a hundred times at least, probably just loading it up. There was some there's some cheap stuff in that first level. There's there's one point where uh, on the left side of the screen, uh, some ships will just spawn right there, and yeah. just like if you're over if you're on top of it, it just you're dead right there. Yeah, no warning at all. Um, and then. Yeah, at the, if you get to the end of the level there, there's like this uh, structure that you kind of have to land on, which when you first get to it, you would, you would have no idea how to do it. It took me like probably 20 tries just to figure out what it wanted me to do. And it's just like probably like 20 pixels long. And it's like a little tiny runway. It doesn't even look like anything. And yeah, you have to land on that somehow. And you got to be pic- like absolutely pixel perfect because if you ding anything with that ship, you're going down in flames. Um, and then, yeah, the, I got to the second level and that's where my patience was like, I'm, I'm done with this game because like you, I think it was the maze one that you were describing where you're going around in this maze just flying around as Captain Planet and avoiding, you know, drops of green goo. Um, and then there's like some barriers that are just impassable. And one of Captain America, or Captain America, <laughs> Captain Planet's, um, I wish it was Captain America.
0: Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
1: one of Captain Planet's powers is to turn himself into a rolling ball of fire that depletes his life bar. Um, and that is the only way to get through these little sections of, uh, goo that you need to get past in this maze. And if you don't have the life to do it, you just die. And there's no way to go back. No, nothing. So there's there's absolutely no way to farm it, your life. At this certain point, I was stuck. It was just like game over. You you lost, you know? you You're here. There's this wall that you just can't get across. And that's just an awful, awful game design decision there. <laughs> I didn't make it that far, even. I just
2: literally played the first level I don't know it had to have been 15 20 times and it's the most frustrating <laughs> game like just
1: the random shit like you guys were saying it's... did you guys get the power up in the first level
0: there's a power up
1: yep if you can if you shoot the right ship there's a power up that uh makes your bullet grow maybe 50% but you can only shoot one at a time, <laughs> so it essentially, so is worse. Yeah, I, I did say get that was not
0: an improvement. Right. I mean, I, honestly, like if we're going to be realistic about it, the best strategy in this game is to just avoid playing the game as intended and move around obstacles instead of trying to attack anything. Right. Really, yep. Which is not <laughs> the intended, the intended method of any game, I would imagine. So oh, that meant this. I'm,
2: the hit radius for where you're shooting and where your ship is, it's just broken. Like you can have, um, right at the start there, there's those five ships that are coming at you right in formation, and you shoot the one, you should be able to fit right through there then. Nope. You will <laughs> yeah. explode.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally that shield power-up thing was the only thing I found that was reliable. Like, I would just try to avoid everything I could and then just spam that as needed to keep my ship intact. And even then, it was just awful.
2: I randomly pushed uh, what was it B and then it did the backwards
0: too. <laughs> Turn around. Yeah. Yeah, you don't expect that in a, in a scrolling shooter, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> well, I think I think this is gonna be a very difficult um, Byron burn. I I know we're gonna have a hard time deciding which one to burn for sure. But let's <laughs> let's go through our picks. We'll start back up at the top of the Andy um, Why don't you go ahead?
1: Uh, yeah. So. I think for my buy, I'm going to go with Bob. Um, I th- that's probably the game that I would sit down and play some more. Um, maybe I, f- I feel like maybe I didn't explore it all the way with getting the weapons that I want, or at least the bullets that I th- feel would make it better. But uh, overall, it's you know this is a pretty weak uh, selection of games for this week. So uh, Bob is going to be my buy. <laughs> Um, my rent is going to be drumroll, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. No, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's not Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I loved that game when I was younger, but I just don't have it in me now. And even like when I played Poyo Poyo Tetris, I love the Tetris parts and I just past the controller when it whenever it's poyo poyo. So I just don't think that game is ever going to hit me and I don't don't know if I'll ever pick it up or ever learn it properly on how to do combos. So I think I'm going to drop that one. Um and then yeah, burn to a crisp. Captain Planet. That game is <laughs> just trash.
0: Well, he can't take pollution down to zero if you if you burn him. I'm just warning you. This right. is bad for the environment.
1: Right. All, all those, you know, environmental shows really, really helped out. Don't they worry. really did the job intended. To...
0: The Earth is cleaner than ever, thanks to Captain
1: Brian. Right. No, I'll stick to Awesome Possum. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: Justin, you're up.
2: Well, I'm going to go for Dr. Robotics Mean Bean Machine for my buy. Um, It's... I found it kind of interesting for the game. Um, And again, you have to beat the levels very fast because once you get past, what, three and four, if you don't have them beat, then the blocks just drop so fast. You can't even match them. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to go with that for my buy. Um, My rent will be Bob. It's, It's a decent game. I don't really see me playing it too much, just because it's kind of blah, I guess. it. I don't know. It, it's not much there. But... It is better than Captain Planet, though. So, Captain Planet will be my burn. And... Yeah, I'm never going to play that game again. <laughs> Ryan brought another one.
0: <laughs> You're the only one who's burnt mine the most, but... I, I'm just saying that. But... I fully embrace everyone torching my pick on this one. So I'm going to go through mine and I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Justin. I, I, I like the gameplay in Dr. Robotnik's mean being machine. Um, I would buy that and have fun playing it co-op. And I, I mean, to a limited extent, I could see myself playing the main story too. Um, but I'm a fan of that and it's a solid puzzle game. Uh, I would rent Bob just because, you know, like we said, it's, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just, Bob, it's it's a fine game. Um, I don't need to spend a ton of time in it, but it's it'd be worth picking up every now and then. And then, of course, I'm burning Captain Planet and every last one of those little planeteers, and I never want to see this game, except in my NES collection that where it'll sit and never be pulled off the shelf again. <laughs> Another yeah. successful Byron burn. And by successful, I mean train wreck of a Byron <laughs> burn. <laughs>
1: You got to appreciate a guy who, you know, when your skin is blue and you think you can pull off green hair, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, does he have much choice? I mean, he's just magically assembled by five kids' rings. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. got <laughs> Pete on he be all green. No, jeez.
0: <laughs> Maybe he's made out of water and it turned like algae turns in colors <laughs> if he's out in the sun too long or something.
1: Okay, for uh, news, we have uh, a couple big things, big announcements, and then some small stuff. We'll start with uh, some of the small stuff. Okami HD is coming to PS4 and Xbox. Um, Have you guys played Okami?
0: I have not. I own a copy or two of it, um, and I've heard nothing about Great Things. It's sort of like a Zelda-esque style adventure game, correct?
1: Yep, yep it is um it's i mean it, the big thing there is the the art style that, that it has in there it's almost like a, a watercolor painting kind of i would describe it cuz um, it's it's
0: like a cell shading effect is that right
1: yep yep uh and yeah the, the 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 art style on it is really good the combat is really well too um i think it was made by some of the guys from what platinum is now so it, it kind of has that hybrid um and i'm kind of excited to get it on a physical disc um, oh it is
0: coming out physically huh it's not just digital yep
1: right yep um okami did come out on hd on the ps3 i believe and it was Digitally? only digital right okay. um they did make an asian uh physical release but i just never tracked that down or i don't know
0: so my big question is: um, With this new physical release, will they be uh, making sure that they retain the IGN watermark on the art for the game? <laughs> I hopefully
1: in, hopefully in a high definition, make it so it's clear. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. For those that don't know, uh, the the Wii version port of Okami, the cover art has a watermark for the IGN logo. So it's funny how the corporate. <laughs> graphic artists work like that where it's it's uh they put the actual the you know like the art out the media picks it up but the person that actually is going to go print the cover then just steals it from the internet their own art <laughs> it's kind of crazy how something like that would actually happen but i like to believe
0: that like the dev team and the marketing team at like capcom were just like celebrating this game going gold and they hit like some karaoke bar in like Tokyo and <clears throat> party too hard and just missed the last train home and this guy wakes up like just hung over, bloodshot eyes, rolls into work, realizing he's got to submit the final artwork for printing, and he's like, shit, where do I get it? I know. IGN, copy paste, done.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how I imagine that went down. Either that or it was uh IGN, if you give us a nine point oh we'll hide your <laughs> we'll give you some free advertising <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this well so it's worth noting too the original release of okami was playstation 2 very late in the life cycle
1: yep and and all the controls there's certain parts in the controls where you actually have to draw um which is kind of clunky on a thumb you know on a analog stick and the Wii was much better with that but obviously you also had the God some awful force
0: motion controls
1: Oh, there was some essential, uh, basically your blocking or your uh, parrying, I believe, was uh, the waggle on the nunchuck, which pretty much worked 25% of the time. As do most. Right. So there there really isn't, between th- those two, like a clear winner, I guess. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to be any better. I'm guessing you're going to be doing the drawing on, uh, on the analog stick as well.
0: Or if it's on the PS4, potentially that useless touchpad button in the center.
1: Ah, oh, that's a good point. I don't think they'll put that much effort into a $20 port, though.
0: Yeah, I'd agree, you're right. I think, um, I think this is exciting, though, it's going to be worth picking up. I mean, Okami, since it's been released, has been a critically acclaimed game uh, that I've just somehow, even when owning it, have not found the time to play. And I think it's going to be worth buying an updated copy and just playing it on current-gen system to get, hopefully what we'll find is the best version of the game the definitive version i guess time yep. will tell
1: yeah i think you'd like it a lot
0: yeah i'm a big zelda guy and i hear it's it's the most zelda ass not zelda game i guess is kind of how i heard like some podcast describe it probably right. a beast- it sounds it's... like a beast cast comment or something
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's got better combat too than a lot of zelda games i think too but
0: sure well cool when is that coming out do we know
1: Uh, this fall sometime I think.
0: Okay. And it's. But yeah,
1: I'm definitely picking that up.
0: Xbox One, PS4.
1: I believe so. Yeah. Hmm,
0: Cool. Maybe they'll port it to the Switch too.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. Can't go wrong for twenty dollars for a physical copy, though. Of no, absolutely, absolutely. Looks like it might be going to PC also. Okay. Well, sure. Yep. That makes sense. And then probably another small one here is. Ardu Venture? How do you say that? I think it's Ardu Venture. Ardu Venture? Okay. Uh, I've, you just put this on here and I kind of looked at it very cursory, so I don't know a lot about it, but there's yeah. a Kickstarter for this thing.
0: There is. So this is kind of something that the Ardu Boy is like an open source platform um, that somebody Kickstarted a few years back. I kind of became aware of it through a YouTuber, Retro Rob, <clears throat> that I follow. And it's basically like this tiny, almost. I mean they model it after the a Game Boy sort of design, but it's basically like the size of a credit card. Like it kind of their slogan is it fits in your in your wallet. And it's got this tiny little screen, you know, two buttons, a D pad, and a bunch of free open source games that you can load onto it. Well, um this dev team has been working on this game, Ardu Venture, uh, for a couple of years now. <clears throat> and it's coming out. It's gonna be the largest game for the Ardu Boy. And they decided that with the game coming out, they would release, uh, open up the new Kickstarter and re-release the Ardu Boy with a limited edition version of the handheld and the game included on it. And it, it, the game looks amazing. If you go to the Kickstarter uh, and you kind of watch the overview of the game, it's almost like a really light... It's like a RPG adventure type game. It really looks like a mashup between um, Zelda Link's Awakening and like Pokemon. Um, and the art style looks really good. And you can get the limited edition version, I think, of the console with the game pre-installed for sixty bucks. Which, if you're going to back it, that's a great deal. Otherwise, you can get just the plain version of the Ardu boy with the game, and I think it's forty. But I, I don't know. I just there's something really interesting about it. Plus, the you know the the idea that I can load other games on here if I choose. Um, it just kind of seemed like an interesting throwback project to you know maybe check out. And it did get fully. Funded, I think it was like four hundred percent funded in the first twenty-four hours, or something wow. stupid like that. And they were only going for like seventy-five hundred dollars. And I think they had when I backed it that first day, they were already at twenty thousand. Wow. So, yeah,
2: and they're
0: at forty-seven thousand right yeah. now. <laughs> That's
1: nuts. Huh. so I, I, I take it like from the Arduino. Uh, that must mean that they're using Arduino. Yes, yeah. for a lot of this. Yep. Okay, that's cool. I mean, then you can technically make, you know, branches off of it as well, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know, like, I don't, like, I don't guess, I, I don't know a whole lot about the background in there. I mean, I knew it was Arduino based, but, I mean, to me, that's just, I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe you can elaborate, because you're probably smarter than me on that stuff.
1: It, it's mostly just, like, a programming kind of interface directly to, like, these uh, chips and machines and stuff. That you, it's It's really easy to kind of, uh, Make contraptions and machines and robots and stuff like that because it's really like components that you're buying and putting it together all through like one programming interface. Cool. So yeah, this is kind of cool that that a gaming system came out of that arena. Never would have thought that, but because it's mostly been like stuff like, oh, this is this automatically feeds my dog or something. You know?
0: <laughs> also cool. Did they kickstart yeah. that? Because I would buy it. <laughs> Yeah, I I just I mean it's kind of an oddball topic, especially for a news piece. Um uh, but it was one that I thought was really interesting and obviously the team behind it has put a bunch of work into it. So I just I'm not a big Kickstarter backer, I've maybe done like two or three, but I, I felt like I wanted to check this one out.
1: I have to say I really like how like the graphics look where like it's just black and white, but the black is like pure deep black and the white is bright white where it's, you know, a lot less Game Boy looking. Yeah, a lot less faded.
0: Super crisp. I think they were like putting updates in on like part ordering and stuff from the Kickstarter feed, the backer feed and they said they had sourced its uh o- OLED screens already. So, yeah, it's going to be a good picture.
1: Yep. Yeah, very cool. I I think I'm going to probably put money into that too. The actual unit actually looks kind of sweet too with the different color buttons.
0: Yeah, and the and black gold buttons. Yeah. yeah. That's that kind of that's kind of what sold me. The original RDU Boy was kind of plain. Um, But that design on it looks awesome.
1: Yeah. Huh. Plus, see-through handhelds again. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, And something that's kind of close to us, uh, MGC, the Midwest Gaming Classic, finally has some big news that they are moving to a bigger venue. And I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> I know you guys are, too
0: yeah yeah it was long overdue. I mean for anyone who's gone to midwest gaming classic you it was clear in the last few years that the Sheraton that they held it at was just kind of limiting um the show and I think we can all say, even though we live you know in the midwest we're we're eight hours or so away, but I think we all kind of consider this like our home our home gaming convention um so it's cool to see it move in a new direction more space um because it obviously is drawing the crowds to make this, make it happen.
1: Right. I mean, it's been our, probably both of ours third year, or this will be our fourth. This will be fourth.
0: Yeah. Fourth year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just seeing how many people that were there last year compared to that first year, it seemed like it doubled almost.
0: Yeah. Well, and for anyone who hasn't gone, like they literally hosted it across an entire hotel campus from the ballroom to the basement, to a tent they put up in a parking lot. I mean, it was kind of amazing the amount of space that they were able to utilize in this hotel, but it was, I mean, clearly with the addition of the tent, it had outgrown that facility. So it's moving down to the Wisconsin Convention Center in downtown Milwaukee, it sounds like, and they're going to have 120,000 square feet, um, which I really think puts it, in a position to rival something like a a Portland retro gaming expo.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. The, uh, the situation where it was like that first year we went, like you could walk around and not bump into anybody for pretty much the entire time you're walking around there last year. (laughs) Like there's so many people you couldn't, there's times where you're just standing there waiting for, you get into a room to go look at different stuff and, it's just kind of a pain, but it's kind of sad to see it switch locations. But it's for the better.
0: Yeah, agreed. I'm mean, I'm excited to see what comes of this. I'm sure you know, like we we'd both we'd all talked about that this first year at a new place is probably going to be a little rough, <clears throat> growing pains. But um, I think this is a step in a fantastic step in like a new, you know, iteration of this fantastic convention.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Can't wait. Um, and probably the biggest news the past, since we've had our last podcast, uh, Nintendo put out a new Nintendo direct and there was a lot of switch news in there and
0: uh, a surprising amount of 3ds news,
1: right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, some of the 3ds stuff was I kind of like, well, we know you actually hate playing the process of Mario party. So we just took all the fun games out of it and put it in one package for you. So you don't actually have to play the game.
0: <laughs> I'm kind of afraid to see what they picked as the 100 best games, too. It's probably like just the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah, the most unfair. Right. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that 3DS lineup of games. Like, man, I really thought they would taper down support but it's like no there's like 12 new games coming in like 15 more versions of 2ds and 3ds software or hardware i mean yep. do we really i don't know i mean i don't know that they're making not that nintendo is always known for making smart decisions but probably time to start thinking about focusing solely on the switch i mean the both machines do virtually the same thing like do we really need uglier versions of games that would look 10 times better just on a better screen for the Switch? I mean, I don't know.
1: Right. I mean, I, I picked up that the Metroid Returns, or Samus Returns, and I haven't opened it yet. And if that was on the Switch, I'd be playing it already. And it's it's just kind of a bummer. Like, you see it sitting there, and it's like, oh, that game, I'm sure it's a blast, but...
0: I have to play it I, on it, that.
1: I have to play it on the 3DS. And that that just kind of sucks. But, I mean, if Pokemon is moving over to... Switch as that's the that's the main line and that's where it's going. I have to imagine like everything else is too.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's it's uh, maybe it's going to be a slower death than we thought. Um, I really did think that first party support was going to slow down a lot sooner than it has for the 3ds. Um, but I mean, I guess even if sales decrease, I mean, if you think about the install base on the 3ds, they're still going to sell tens of millions of copies of a good first party game you know, just cause there's right. so many three dss out there globally.
1: Yeah. Plus, you know, Nintendo is, I mean, Kirby's always been put out the death, the, you know, a year, a year after anybody <laughs> cared about it, you know? Right. And, you know, a new Layton or, you know, anything like that, like those just come out whenever they want to, you know, that's not, um, but overall, I think the big news out of this direct was a lot of the switch announcements. Um, They spent a lot of time on stuff that already was announced. Um, I don't know. Xenoblade looks cool. I just, I wish I could get into that. I wish I had time to play that series, but I just have never found the time to actually get into it. Uh, Yeah. But that game looks pretty cool. It looks
0: beautiful. But yeah, knowing that that's going to be 100 hours plus, I just probably won't. Yeah, can't even touch it. Yeah. The copy I have for the Wii U is still sealed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Same here. I think that I have a copy of the Wii one it's still sealed, but it's,
0: it's even like worse. Of-
1: um, yeah. Um then there was the one that I was probably the most excited about is the Square Enix game called it, it doesn't really have a name yet, I guess. It's uh codename Octopath Traveler. Traveler. Um it looks like the graphics from Final Fantasy Six on Super Nintendo with some crazy effects for a modern presentation and i was blown away by it um whether or not the game is actually good and you know is (laughs) remains to be seen i guess i will say if it's made by the demo no i have not played the demo yet. i did i haven't Uh,
0: fired it up yet it's installed
1: okay uh if i i played through bravely default i really love that game and if it's made you know it's anywhere close to that i'm going to be pretty impressed i think
0: you know what it looks like that nobody I haven't heard anybody make this connection yet, but you know what that game looks like? It looks like three D game hero for the PS three. Except yep, if you swapped yep. out the main character for a two D sprite. I mean that's it's yeah, exactly it what it looks like.
1: Yeah, a lot like all the like fire and water effects and everything that they kinda show in that definitely look like three D game heroes too, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean I don't know if that's gonna be a game for me. I'm not an RPG person. Um, <clears throat> but it looks fantastic. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I've heard some good things. I guess the story, um, and the context is kind of adult, and even in the demo, like there's like hints at adult themes pretty early on. So be really? curious huh. to see where that lands. Rating wise,
1: sure. huh? Yep. Uh, yeah, definitely. That that game is not going to be for everyone for sure. <laughs> that is strictly for going for those old Final, Final Fantasy fans I think but um and then the two big surprises or the I guess they were packaged together was Bethesda bringing their extremely mature rated games to Nintendo Switch.
0: One of them isn't even out yet. That's the amazing part.
1: Right. Right.
0: On any platform.
1: Right. Yeah, and and Doom will be the first one and then uh Wolfenstein 2, which like you said if that's day and date with all the other ones, that's going to be pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, just that they would Bethesda would do that and bring it over to the switch and like realize the potential of that market is huge. Um and honestly like it I guess time will tell once you get hands on, but it did not look super I mean this isn't going to compete with like PS4 and PC especially versions of Doom, but it didn't even look that visually watered down. I mean, if it plays as tight as the other I mean I'm probably going to buy this just to support it because I want to see more games like this come to the Switch, but it's kind of amazing because I don't think any of us thought that a year ago, when the Switch was up and coming right around the corner, that a game like this would even be feasibly easily ported over to the Switch and in the shape that it appears that it's going to be in. Uh, So I think that's great. I I mean, Clearly, two things have happened. It's very easy to port a game over to the Switch and not have to completely rework it and make like a bastard offshoot of like walking dead chop till you drop or no, not walking dead, uh, dead (laughs) rising, Um, get my zombie properties mixed up. Um, So that's cool. I mean, if it is successful and easy enough for these big devs to do and bring AAA titles over, you know, you might, it's not going to be the definitive version of everything that's coming out multi-platform, but even if it's comparable and I now have the option to take it everywhere I go, and play it on my TV. Why would I not do that as as a multi system owner? I mean, I'm going to opt for the Switch version every time.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think this is kind of where the you know the vision of the Switch is kind of paying off. I guess. Yeah, it's actually working. Um, I have to wonder, like Bethesda never supported pretty much anything Nintendo right. before Switch, um, and they put Skyrim. You know, they kind of announced that very early on. And you have to wonder if this is a reaction to pre-orders on that game or if you know nintendo's actually been buttering them up for a while i don't know
0: yeah i don't know i mean i was i was hearing some news though that they were saying like even indie developers and stuff every game that they've like a lot of these indie developers if they put it multi-plat there have been statements from several of these developers that of all the versions the switch version will outsell every other combined platform combined alone so, I mean, if that's the case, wow. and, among, and the market's that hungry for games on the platform, you know, virtually anybody can get in there and do well at this point, I mean, because the market isn't overly saturate, saturated, you know?
1: Yep. Huh. That, yeah, that's pretty incredible, especially given, like, how that eShop is laid out for indie games, like...
0: Or not laid out. I
1: could see, right, I could see it being really hot for you for the first, you know, the first week you had it up there, but after that, I, you're <laughs> kind of forgotten. Yeah, just sorted switch. by when it was released, or? No. Yeah. is it by it? when
0: it's re- I thought it was just Wild Wild West. Like, here's a bunch of games all over the map. Because there's, oh, sure. there's everything. I, there's Isn't like three hot, tabs. Yeah, it's garbage.
1: It's yeah.
0: the loosest framework of a shop I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, basically, if you're not on, like, the newest released or the best-selling, like, you're not going to show up. You pretty much have to... You can't even browse to it. You have to, like, search.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's hot garbage. But... Yeah, and I mean I think they did say that Wolfenstein 2 will not launch alongside PS4 and Xbox okay. One versions, it'll be shortly after, but I mean that's still that's still a good sign that a a developer as big as Bethesda would take the time to do that and announce it up front. I mean it's not clearly an afterthought. I mean they're they're putting it up there with their other lo- other like ports, you know.
1: Yep. And probably, you know, if they do something else beyond that, it probably will be day and date then cuz they already know that they want to do it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this wasn't part of the Nintendo direct, but also rockstar did announce that they're going to port. So this isn't even Nintendo specific, but rockstar announced that they're bringing back, um, LA noir HD, like a, well, it was already HD, but like a redone version of it. It's going to be on all platforms, including the switch, um, which is kind of out of nowhere. It doesn't seem, I don't think rockstar has put a game out on a Nintendo platform since either that ping pong game for the Wii or possibly that DS
1: um, GTA game. Uh, Bully had a port. Oh, you're right. U, Bully did. Yep. Or the Wii. Yep. yep. Uh, um, but yeah, other than that, nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. I mean it's maybe not the game that everybody wanted, and I'm not saying that they're going to get every new Rockstar game ported to the Switch, but that is a big thing for a developer like Rockstar to even consider doing that. Um, right. And it kind of. Leads you to wonder, like, will they port Grand Theft Auto V? I know that's a five year old game at this point, but it's still in the top 10 best selling games every month, all these years later. And feasibly, yeah. because it launched on PS3 and Xbox 360, we could end up with the Switch port, which would be kind of amazing. I mean, it would probably land graphically somewhere in between a, you know, a 360 and an Xbox One version of the game. Uh, but, I mean, really, the greatest Grand Theft Auto game of all time on the go. That'd be. Epic,
1: right? And you know, the I think the only hesitation would be that Grand Theft Auto has that stigma of not being family friendly. But you know, L.A. Noir has some really adult stuff in it if you played all the way through it, right? And and Doom, you know, that's, yeah, I was gonna
0: say Doom guys like ripping people's throats most, out here,
1: right? Yep. Well, so Sky I mean, you, you're getting got it. attacked too. What's that? Right. Yep. The Skyrim
2: kind of got attacked too for what violent that was.
0: Yeah, but I mean. <sighs> Just because it's on Nintendo doesn't mean it has to be squeaky clean. I mean, there is an ESRB and a rating system. Parents need to realize that a video game is a a media platform. It's not a toy. I mean, yeah. even if it's Nintendo, there's no guarantee that there won't be adult content. So, I don't know. People complain, can complain about that all they want, but they have to be smart consumers and realize that, you know, more options for the general public is, is the way to go, even if it's on a Nintendo console.
1: Yep. I just love that it it even made it into the direct where, you know, it's like this this very positive, happy guy like just yes. running through all these announcements and these like coming from Bethesda, you know, like here's your chance to rip rip through the Nazis, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wow. that was like
0: incredibly God. out of place for a Nintendo Direct. That is true. <laughs> it's the most upbeat Nazi laden game pitch we've ever seen. Right.
1: I mean, if Reggie was up there telling me how, like how he's going to kill Nazis, like I would be totally, like I could see that. But
0: uh, yeah, I think you know overall it was a very solid Nintendo Direct, and you know you can be cynical or, or whatever you want about the the games that are coming over from these third-party developers to the Switch. But the fact is that major third-party developers who don't have to take the time. To support Nintendo, especially after a miserable flop of a console leading up to the Switch, are taking that gamble and putting any initiative in to test the waters. That's a good thing. Um, and if people want to see more of that, buy the damn game. Buy LNUR for the Switch. Buy it f- Doom for the Switch. I mean, if people embrace it, you're going to keep getting more stuff. And I, you know, more options is good for everyone.
1: Do you think EA is kick- kicking themselves that they didn't have a Madden? ready for it? I'm not, I'm still not
0: sure what EA is thinking. I mean, they've really not said anything outside of FIFA, but I will be shocked if there's not a Madden next year.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this rate, you know, if they, especially if the install base goes crazy this holiday, like, you have well, to...
0: Well, yeah, we could potentially have 25,000 or 25 million units in hands by the next holiday season or more.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: They're on pace to be at over the, what, 16 million that the Wii U sold in the first year alone. I mean, yeah, I, assuming Nintendo can keep the supply up this holiday season, that is going to be the must have device, I think, hands down. I mean, you're going to have it launching with, well, Splatoon Bundle. I saw that in the stores finally. Mario Odyssey with that bundle. I mean, that's going to be on everybody's Christmas list if you don't already have a Switch.
1: It's going to be nuts. Well, and it's, it's going to be, even genius because you know people who who are kind of loaded like you don't buy just one of these for your family like this is if yeah, it's affordable each kid gets a portable yeah right. yeah i think it's a little out of range for the normal person to buy one for each kid but but if you're willing to go all in on it like that's what's going to happen and that's <laughs> that's a whole new level of uh install base then
0: yeah i mean it's i was cynical of the switch and I'm still a little bit cynical of it. I, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's the wrong attitude to have. I feel like they got a little bit lucky with the switch again, but at the same time, it's fantastic to see, you know, this company that we grew up on. I mean, literally video games was Nintendo when we were kids. Um, And to see them back in the spotlight, at least currently, I didn't think that was ever going to happen again. So,
1: well, especially when half of it is like failing forward, you know,
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that should be their slogan
1: right i mean good example is uh where's the virtual console oh we don't have one but we have a third party porting our arcade games
0: let's talk about that yeah the versus series of all things is being brought back from arcade obscurity to the switch now
1: Yep, Um, under the arcade archives brand which is you know i always attach that to ps4 but I think they've been, I think all the Neo Geo stuff is now under that, right?
0: Yeah, they've been doing all that for the Switch. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like, for anyone who doesn't know, the Versus series was basically um, these this line of arcade games that Nintendo put out back in the NES days. And it was literally the same games, uh, Mario Brothers, bike, Punch-Out!, but they were just challenged based um so you could go head to head or i mean I, was it like time attack, score attack i don't even know i've i've never really researched it too much it wasn't something that you saw very often
1: right yeah i don't know i i like you said yeah i don't know if i've ever actually played one or at least i don't remember playing one
0: well yeah and like i think we were all kind of waiting at this nintendo direct thinking that okay this is where they're going to lay out their foundation for uh, maybe not the virtual console as we know it, but what their plan is for that. And then instead we kind of got this weird curveball um, of we're going to be for the first time bringing these iterations of our games out um, for the very first time on a home system outside of the arcade. So it was neat. Uh, I don't know that I'm interested enough to put money down on any of this, but
1: not most of them. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Right. I don't think it adds anything to balloon fight, but <laughs> that's just me. And Nintendo loves to push balloon fight. Like that's yeah. just the
0: steeple in their 8 bit library. Such a terrible game. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I I I hope at one point they actually go through with it, but between you know, really not having any online service right now, like I I don't foresee them really actually having a plan yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I, what I really need to see them roll out in the next quarter or so is my Netflix app, my Hulu app, my web browser. I don't even care if I get a web browser, to be honest, but I want my streaming platforms on the Switch. It seems like a natural fit. They've been there on every... I mean, the hell, the Wii U got them. Why don't I have them on the Switch yet?
1: Yeah. Uh, Netflix did say that it's ready to go. they just getting Nintendo's approval.
0: Oh, good, good.
1: Yep. So at least they they have those things coming, I guess. Um
0: Yeah. Well, I think that'll make it a lot more viable as a multimedia device instead of just something I can only play games on currently.
1: Right. But I mean they're they're still putting stuff out on Wii U for virtual console as well. Like I yeah. showed you earlier that Ninja Spirit just came to it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing. Is... As a dev yeah. like or publisher, what are you thinking at that point? You're like Well, let's see how much money we can lose on publishing this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Lick our wounds and move on to the next console.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty hopeful for Nintendo. Uh, I'm going to play a lot of Mario, I think.
0: Yeah, looks great. Looks great.
1: Okay, this week's topic is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And mainly uh, the craze that it turned out to be in the late 80s, early 90s. When all of us were pretty much kids. Uh, very impressionable to violence, I would say. So it was the perfect amount to take our, our aggression on, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I guess my first entry point on this mainly probably some of yours as well was the cartoon i was i mean i had no idea comics were the comics were a thing or anything like that um so yeah the cartoon is where where i really hopped on the wagon i guess what about you i guess i uh, i guess i uh remember the cartoon some
2: didn't really watch a whole lot of cartoons but i know that was one of them that i did tune into
0: Yeah, I kind of got in at the cartoon level. Um, I didn't know it originated from a comic until years later. I mean, this was, you know, in the late 80s, that cartoon came out, like when the afternoon cartoon block was still huge and you had Disney afternoon, you had Saturday morning cartoons was still a thing. Um, And the turtles were just kind of everywhere. They had the catchy theme song that was back when shows started to get theme songs. I think that's got like one of the, the catchiest ones of the bunch uh it also played into like karate and ninjas which for some reason in the late 80s early 90s like that stuff was like martial arts was like a big deal um i feel like that kind of disappeared but yeah it just kind of hit every note that as a as a young boy you'd be interested in um and they skateboarded they ate pizza i mean why wouldn't you love that as a kid
1: yeah no kidding i know like when i was younger i was so into them where I was jumping off the couch, like punching people. Oh, and, yeah. you you know, had to. I'm the turtle, you know? <laughs> right. I think older people at that point, that was like their first, like after that, it was like power Rangers and like everything else. But like before that, I don't think there was uh, a younger influence that would make people make kids do something like that. Right. Well, you could be wrong. I guess they were but,
0: almost kind of like super like Marvel, like replace Marvel, with how popular, like the superhero thing is now. Like, the turtles kind of filled that void. You know, there wasn't the superhero is oh, yeah. they were more or less superheroes. They were just mutant Ninja turtles.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about the cartoon a little bit. Um, right off the bat, the theme song is great. <laughs> really catchy. Yes. And I mean, you can hear it, you could sing it right now, you know, like just right off the bat and yeah, it, 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 lines up with the action perfectly i think it really gets you pumped um
0: yeah just super memorable you guys... too yeah well it does like a good job of you know for a 30 minute show it does a good job of like setting up the entire plot of what the turtles is all about um their origin story in this you know just quick little intro song that kind of just sticks with you as soon as you hear that music um you're you know tapping your foot and you're hearing the, the lyrics in your head
1: yep yep I mean, uh, when I first saw it, I, I think it was mainly because my friends were really into it, so I ended up catching it. I don't, I, th- I guess I don't remember. I was still pretty young to remember exactly how I got onto it, but I'm sure it was from some sort of influence instead of just you know and actually checking it out. Yeah, I guess
2: I'm in the same situation. I don't remember why I watched it, but I know I started watching it and like. Going over to friends' house and seeing all the, well, later on, but all the toys and stuff they had.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's a big thing. Was like the marketing machine behind this was huge. Um, I can remember seeing that was the point of it. Yeah, I I remember seeing (laughs) news stories about like Turtle Mania, like the craze with the toys and like hottest item this holiday season. Before I even saw the introduction of the show, um, as a kid, because I was, I I was probably in first grade. Um, first or second grade when the series premiered first grade I'd imagine so like I remember day one coming home after school you know because I always had like the teaser trailers of like upcoming shows on the networks and yeah instantly hooked on on turtles
1: Yep. who's your favorite turtle then?
0: Michelangelo he's <laughs> the coolest
1: Leonardo Donatello Donatello would be second for me
0: Donatello is my favorite one in the video games because he has the most reach.
1: Well, yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> I think we can all agree that Raphael is an asshole. And then yep. nobody should yeah. select him as a favorite. He's just a dick. He's yep. A- yes. Okay. Well, at least we're all agreeing there. <clears throat> well, let's let's you know, speaking of influences, let's let's think of the amazing vocabulary that the turtles introduced into pop culture. Like tubular, radical, bodacious. I mean those are all words that like every kid used in their vocabulary thinks, I think in large part, well, not only to the turtles, but they certainly helped spread this like weird surfer lingo of absurd words into pop culture.
1: My, I was going to do some research, but I didn't get to it. I'm trying to track down the history of Kawabunga Cause I oh, know Cowabunga. Bart Simpson also said that. No, I, so I don't know.
0: I think the turtles had to beat it. Was it. Bart I, or... I bet the turtles did it.
1: Yeah. It's probably, gosh, it's probably true.
0: I'm gonna Google quick.
1: I'm doing cause... it right
0: now. Are you okay? Because now, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we cannot move on from the segment. We need to know when that aired. Because we know term. Turtles aired, the cartoon aired. We don't know about the comic in '87. When did when did The Simpsons premiere?
2: Oh, uh, the the, cause the term kabanga first said in 1953 by Chief Thunderthud on the Howdy Doody show. Oh, that guy. Yep.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. How did I forget that? <laughs> Well, when did the so, Simpsons start? The Simpsons
1: started... It was like at the 87? same time, 86, 87, yeah, or something like maybe that. Maybe
0: 88, though. If it's 88, then we know the Turtles got them beat. Yeah. 89. First oh, favorite. yep. So, really? the Turtles. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Definitive answer. We're going to upload that to Wikipedia later.
1: <laughs> no one correct us. I mean, the t- those were the two biggest things, like... Turtles and Simpsons, I think, for me at least were synonymous with just like how popular they were.
0: Except I was allowed to watch one of them and I wasn't allowed to watch another one.
1: Right. But I still loved them both. Yes.
0: (laughs) Bart Simpsons' the coolest. Oh really? You watch the show? No, I can't. It was like twelve before my parents let me watch that show. I think I first got to watch The Simpsons in like nineteen ninety five. It was ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Uh my parents were the same way. And then and then, you know, you start watching it in 1995 and you're like, this is why, what, what were you trying right, to block yeah. me from?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it, not only you're watching it, like everyone's watching it on like, right. you know, the families in the living room watching the Simpsons. So,
1: But, you know, the turtles influenced me to punch people in the nuts. So I guess that was <laughs> fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse you can get to punch somebody in the testicles.
1: <laughs> right. Um. I think another big thing about this is the mainstay of kind of the rogues gallery of bad guys in the cartoon as well. Um, a lot of them are still around today and you can, as soon as you pick them up, you can tell who they are. Yeah, um, That's one of the few, I think A lot, they, they certainly rotate between uh, the bad guys in um, the cartoon, but there's also ones that are, you know, kind of one-off characters. Um, and then April O'Neil, like that, yellow jumpsuit like i don't know i That's can't believe they could pull that jumpsuit. off in night yeah can't Ooh. believe you could pull that off in 1987 but
0: i wish you'd have pulled it off in
1: 1987 <laughs> uh, she was like yep. one
0: of the standouts on, for me on the arcade cabinet was like that life that real life april o'neill on the side of the arcade cabinet like it was just so funny yep.
1: yep another redhead
0: Yep. yeah oh god Uh, I guess I have a thing I don't know (laughs) so I mean Uh, and not only was the show huge among kids but very quickly Turtle Mania kind of swept all of pop culture and went to um, live action movies like I mean they must have started production on that like almost immediately after launching the animated series and seeing the success of that
1: oh yeah for sure I mean 1990 was the first one Yeah, and I watched both of the first two uh, this week again and uh, tell you what, the first one totally holds up and it's really true to the cartoon. Yeah. It is
0: dark though. Like real dark for a bunch, for a movie that a bunch of like kids under 10 went to like that is an adult ass movie with some scary ass themes and like settings. I mean, not that it's vulgar or overly violent, but they didn't like, You know, make it a, dumb it down and make it a kiddie show. It's, it's an action movie, you know, an adult driven action movie.
1: Right. And and it kind of clashes because it does have that. I mean, the turtles act the same as they do in the cartoon. They're, they are, you know, saying the same stuff, acting the same way. In this weird real world
0: context.
1: Yeah. I will say in the movies that the, there's not much personal personality in between them. I feel like they all are the same character where in, you know, the cartoon it's Donatello's the smart one and, you know, Leo's the leader and but in the in the these movies, like if you if you would say a line from the movie, you wouldn't be able to tell which one it was. They all are the same character.
0: That's true. That is true. But I mean I suppose in the in the time frame you've got to build out the uh, although, you know, there is that like cutaway at the farmhouse after Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen this from 1990 where Splinter's been taken and they're like doing like a little montage and April's writing about I mean they tried, they tried to build character, Um, but yeah I mean I think it's hard in that context, but I think they captured a lot of what the Turtles was about you know, doing, you know morally, taking the high road and family uh, whatever that may be Um, I also love so when Casey Jones was introduced in the animated series he was essentially I mean kind of a bad guy turned ally. I didn't really like him too much in the animated show, but I think he's probably the most interesting character in that first movie. And the actor who plays him does a great job.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I totally agree yeah, with that. I agree there too. That whole farm, when they like run away and are at the farm though, that is a weird bit when you actually think about it. Yeah. But for, you know, what what you would envision in a TMNT video or a game or, uh, Oh man. Movie. Movie? We'll get there. (laughs) Yes.
0: So then, and then hot on the heels of that. I mean, that movie, that movie did very well. I don't think there's any like debate about that. That swept, swept box offices. Everyone was talking about that in the playground, adults, kids, everyone was watching that. So just a year later, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the secret of the ooze. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. That's personally my favorite one. Um, I think they add a little more comedy into it, which brought some of that character that you, you mentioned was lacking from the show. Um, they had a bigger budget, it looked like. Uh, I liked that they didn't... You know, they went with Toka and Rezar, which was kind of, I guess, the equivalent of uh, Bebop and Rock Setty, but for the live-action movies. Um, I, it was just, like, everything amped up, and more polished and i think it's if i mean even today with the new turtle movies which we're not getting into this is still my favorite definitive live action turtle movie
2: plus then you get the the hit song from
0: you no know, ice, ice. <laughs> yeah ice ice baby and the turtle rap i mean that guy was killing it in
1: 1991 <laughs> yeah i for me this movie didn't hold up as well as what i remember it yeah, i guess i don't I, okay. for me it, it was it was like it is a lot more kiddie i guess the the jokes were a lot more juvenile i guess which maybe that's a good thing i guess it just doesn't hit as good when you're 30 some years old you know um but <laughs> yeah that that vanilla ice section is it's it's something to behold it it's like this seemed probably in 1991 like a good decision but now looking back I, at it no, it's like no
0: i don't think that was a, a good wreck. decision in 1991 even <laughs> I'll be quite honest,
1: <laughs> but when you like think about that, like if you were making a movie, like it, it almost like they were shooting a movie, and then Vanilla Ice showed up, and they're like, "Well, we're contractually obligated to have him in here doing something." So then the director is like, "Oh, well, let's <laughs> let's whip up a concert here quick and just have them fight in the middle of it." Yeah, I can
0: just see the production crew like this movie's coming along. You know what it needs though? <laughs> yeah. What's that, Bob? More vanilla ice. Oh my god, you're a genius. (laughs) Get this man a raise. It's probably like some production assistant's like cousin was vanilla ice. So like he'll literally work for a buck. Like let's just bring him in.
1: (laughs) Uh yeah. And I don't know, that the end of that movie like is so I don't know. The way Shredder, you know, kind of becomes the main bad guy. Yeah. And like grows to power and then like instantly is finished in the worst possible way or, you know, just kind of the lamest By way. By
0: himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he
0: kicked his own ass. I mean, the turtles <laughs> didn't even do anything.
1: Right. And then it, it was like, you're still there like, well, is he dead? Like, there has to be more. And it's like, no, that was... He did it. <laughs> he's, he's dead now. You know, or whatever. It's like, I don't know.
2: I haven't watched him recently, but, like, thinking back, I think i have to go with Ryan say, with the second one being like the one that I remember being the best one, but I'll have to go back and watch them again. I was going to, and just wasn't able to the, the first one, how does that start out? That is that where they deliver the
1: pizza to the sewer?
0: Yeah. That's the opening scene. Yeah.
1: Domino's yeah. pizza. Domino's. Right. Yeah. Which is a travesty. <laughs> yeah.
0: They and the second one.
1: in
2: the, that like store mall, isn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think <clears <clears <throat> that's yeah, the second robbers.
0: one. Yeah. They open with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think theatrically, you know, the original is a more solid, cohesive, uh well thought out movie. But I just think from an overall package, even as goofy as it is, I still gotta give it to number two.
1: I do like the first one where they're like well where kind of like all the delinquent kids just hang out. <laughs>
0: With this sweet like, ass a arcade rank. and like a giant skate yeah. Right.
1: Like Right, and then they're like, "Oh, you might turn in the Foot Clan, but like that seems like a perfectly fair trade to me."
0: <laughs> Especially, it wasn't like, was this still the Reagan administration? Like they have this like mob syndicate, <laughs> like recruiting kids <laughs> by having like a giant open arcade and like skateboard gymnasium. Like, oh my god, it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're not going to talk about the third one because that one's just uh, plain awful. Yeah, right. let's stop overhead. Yeah, I mean as soon as somebody brought a script and said what if the turtles go back in time it should have ended right there. Sold. Should have been. Yeah.
0: But I think the third piece and the final piece to turtle turtle mania and the equation and their road to world dominance was was the toy line, correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean it, this whole thing you talk about the cartoon and like the movies shortly after and the toys like it was perfectly orchestrated to be all-encompassing like they knew what they were doing this is it's not like they thought they would have a hit on their hands they had all this lined up that you know basically knowing that they're going to be able to do this yep i mean it's it's all to sell toys right for the most part
0: (laughs) absolutely i mean in, in that period every kid for every birthday party you went to you brought a turtle's toy for the gift or christmas holidays you asked for turtle's I mean, it really kind of, I mean, the biggest competing toy line at that time was G.I. Joe, which had an animated series still in the air. And I just remember it just, I flipped a switch. I was completely all turtles, like once the turtle toys were on the scene and the, the show and like, it was unbelievable. Every kid had had figures, it didn't matter.
1: Yeah, there was so many iterations of those figures too. It's crazy.
0: Yep well and there was really cool there was like the turtle van there was this turtle bike there was that like giant uh, street play set I think there was was there a Technodrome toy too? I have to believe there was yeah. that was expensive yeah. as hell though I'm sure that was like what 80 to 100 bucks back in the day even
1: yeah I didn't have it <laughs> I think if I
2: had any it was the van I know I had a lot of the action figures but
0: the was I don't remember sweet. if I
2: had the van or not
0: well, then if you think about it like from a marketing perspective, those guys were geniuses. Because what do you do? You cast one mold for a turtle, and you just change the color of their bandana, <laughs> the letter on their belt, and then mold a new cheap plastic toy. And I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, but when you bought a Turtles toy, and this happened with other toys too, but I remember predominantly with the Turtles, like all the weapons and stuff, they weren't cut out of the die. Like, they came on this big grid and you literally had to take a scissors or have your parents do it and like cut Michelangelo's nunchucks out of the dye mold along with like the throwing stars and stuff. It's just bonkers. You couldn't do that today.
1: No, it was, it was almost like a model car, right? Yeah. You yeah. Remember right?
0: Yep. yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I, I remember having a lot of one, the ones that you had like this rip cord that you put in the back of their shell. Uh, yep. And, and then you pulled it. Oh yeah. I had quite a few of those. Yep. See different things.
0: Yeah, and then they had the ones that came packaged, like, a little later on, the ones that came packaged with the ooze, and they would mutate from, like, actual turtle form to, like, larger turtles, and it was crazy. And I remember they even had a few figures that, like, well, one, for sure, that you filled with water, like, its body held water, and then, like, the parts folded around it, I can't remember what the enemy's name was, but, yeah. Great, great action figures. I still have mine somewhere.
1: I have no idea where mine
2: are. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't know where mine are either. I'm sure they're in a tote someplace.
0: Under your pillow, waiting for you.
1: (laughs) They're not in their package, I know that. Right. (laughs) So they're probably not very valuable. (laughs) It did take over the world, though. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you guys... So, like, I've been watching the newer movies, but there was, like, a period in the mid-2000s where it kind of made a resurgence, and I was totally checked out on that. I never even saw one piece of that. That Nickelodeon series? There was a was like it Nickelodeon? The there one, was a right? series. Yeah, the 3D yeah, and then one there was Nickelodeon. A, uh,
0: movie. Yeah, the TMNT movie. Yeah, that kind of came that was like the first big step off of that, like getting back into the movie realm and it isn't very good, um to be honest. The the enemies are not well thought out. The characters are more or less the same. Um, I think the central point of that animated one is that <clears throat> Raph's a hot-headed douche and, like, he gets kidnapped and, like, they lose him and whatever. Go figure. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say it's particularly good. I mean, it's not... It doesn't fit the canon of what your traditional
1: Turtles story was. Sure. Huh. Well, for me, TMNT Out of the Shadows is the second-best Turtles movie.
0: I'm, uh... I'm just getting my keys. I'm going to be driving over. In about an hour and a half, open your door and expect someone to slap you. <laughs> uh, uh, it won't be me. It'll be no, me.
1: I don't know why. Just just watching The Secret of the Ooze again just really dropped it down. And maybe it was just the mood I was in watching it. I don't know.
0: I would put Out of the Shadows at my third, if that makes you feel any better. Sure. <laughs> But I still, to me, there's like a huge gap. I just, yeah, that, that'll have to be a, we need to revisit like another TMNT, like legacy, like post that initial hype sometime and just get into all the other good stuff and we can get into the ins and outs of, of where it currently sits.
1: Cause it is back, movie.
0: right? I mean, we didn't really talk about that, but turtles are back on the scene almost as big as ever.
1: Yeah. I mean. I don't know a lot of kids in that age range right now, but it must—you would think so. Yeah. By as many toys as I see,
0: right? Well, they've been reissuing a lot of the classic toys too. I've seen.
1: Hmm. They got a cartoon going, or is it just the
2: movie? That's or? a good
0: question. I don't know. Yeah, I'm no. Sure. I mean, there is still a cartoon. Yeah, my kids watch it. We have it. Uh, we play it from Hulu. I think it's a Netflix show, not Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, Nickelodeon. Uh, but yeah, I believe it is still going. And it's actually pretty decent now, again.
1: Yeah. Oh, shit. I should have mentioned that the first Turtles movie is, like, the highest grossing independent film of all time. Seriously? Yeah.
0: It's kind of amazing. Like,
1: a, a big a big studio didn't take it on.
0: I uh, bet they were kicking themselves after they saw the box office revenue. Yeah. <laughs> well, Turtle Mania. There you have it. I don't know about you guys, but I think that was another uh, successful... Podcast. Justin, why don't you go ahead and take us out?
2: All right. So we got the website. You can find us. Uh, it's weekendpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Weekend Rental Podcast. You can like us and follow us on there. Also, you can follow us on Twitter it's at Weekend Rental PC. Um, you can find us. We got a YouTube channel, kind of bits and pieces of podcasts put up there. Um, that channel is weekend rental podcast. Um, we also have an email. We can rental podcast at com. Yes. Anything. Please send
0: us your questions and comments. We would love to do a mailbag section, so don't be shy. Get out there and email us.
2: Yeah. Anything,
0: anything. I'll be glad
2: to look at anything you send.
0: <laughs> well, okay. That's, that's probably true.
2: <laughs> um, you can also find us, um, on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And as always, be kind, rewind.
1: Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go, 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 go.